Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining me today. My guest is going to tell us uh, a bit about um, his situation where he lost his his mother um, at a very young age. So guest, if you'd like to introduce yourself and tell our, our listeners um, about your story. Yeah, my name is Brian. Um, my story uh, starts actually probably, I'm kind of not too sure about the time frame on it, but I, about, about seven or eight years old, my parents uh, got divorced. And so it was just me and my sister. Uh, we went to live with my mother and my father. He had, at that point, went to Las Vegas. I don't really remember why he went there. I knew I had family out there at that point. So he went out there to kind of, he was still young. I think he wanted to kind of, you know, maybe get, do some partying, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. We went to live with my mother. She actually met a really nice guy. His name was Guy. Um, she started dating him. We moved in with him. Um, he owned a house uh, in Illinois, in north uh, northwest or northeast Illinois, and kind of like a suburb of Chicago. And the rest of my family is mostly in north uh, west Indiana, so it's about an hour and a half away. So we were just out there, just to, just us, no other family out there. And uh, we had a great life going. His son, you know, he shared custody with his ex-wife. So we he would come over and spend the night and we'd have, you know, good times. We talked about Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, we were good friends. And they talked about having plans about either moving to Portland or Seattle. And... I didn't know anything about the place, uh, you know, back then. I just knew that was where they wanted to move. That was the plan. And then uh, I remember one day it was, I think it was after New Year's of 1982. I was nine years old. Uh, I was in bed sleeping and I remember hearing a knock at the door and I heard my mother get up and she went to the door and I can hear a police officer talking to her and explaining to her that guy had passed away in a car accident. And I remember laying there in, in the bed and I'm like, do I get up? I mean, you know, I didn't know what to do. I just, I, you know, I had never, that was the first person I'd ever heard of that had died. So I just kind of laid there when I ended up falling back asleep. I remember I woke up the next morning, there was people over, you know, big commotion, you know, everybody explained what happened, blah, blah, blah. Well, at the time, you know, I'm a, I was 10 or nine, so I didn't know at the time, but Guy's ex-wife was going to be getting that house. So that was going to her now. And we had to, you know, we had to move out. We had to find a place to live. My mom was only working part-time because Guy made great money. Uh, so she only worked part-time just to kind of have something to do and bring in some extra cash. So she was waitressing, you know, three nights a week or whatever. So she had to start picking up extra shifts now because, you know, she, 
you know, we had bills to pay and his ex-wife was really nice about it. You know, she let us live there for a couple months, but you know, she was kind of like, okay, you know, we kind of, something's got to happen. You got to get you guys out. Um, and I think she was trying to get a hold of my grandparents and talking to them and trying to explain that, you know, she needed somewhere to go. And I feel like everywhere she was turning, I think she was getting let down and nobody was really offering to help her. And I, I, I think she just felt really, you know, alone and lost. And she, she started coming home late from work. I think like a couple times a week, we had to have a babysitter at that point. And then she, I remember, you know, just standing at the window watching all the time because I knew something was off. Just, you know, just something felt off of her. She never used to come home. I mean, not, she didn't come home drunk, but she'd come home maybe a half hour, 40 minutes later than she normally would. And, you know, she'd have a drink or two or whatever. And, you know, it just wasn't herself. And then I remember in March, so that was a couple months later, end of March on my, on my birthday. Oh, so before that, yeah, actually before that, there was a day... It, it was after a guy had passed away and we were driving in the car and I remember out of the blue and it wasn't like a question, like she asked it, like, what would you want for dinner? She said, Hey, if, if, uh, if I ever died, who would you want to live with? Uh, mom or, or a dad or grandma and grandpa. And I'm like, what? And I, you know, my sister was only like four at the time. So she kind of, you know, didn't really know what to do with that question, but I was like, uh, I just said dad out of, you know, out of my just first response. But then I remember saying, I go, oh, I hope I die before you. And I think she's, she goes, well, oh, she said, why do you, why do you think, why do you feel like that? And I said, well, I just, you know, I don't want to be around without you. I don't want, you know, want to live without my mom. And she said, well, when people die, if they have things left on earth, uh, whatever, like a child to raise, blah, 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 that they'll always be there and they'll always be watching over you. So, you know, that was kind of like a, her way of kind of easing that question, I guess. And I never thought about it, never, never brought it up to anybody, never, never thought to. Well, at the age of nine, I, uh, that's kind of, I mean, a little heavy for someone to try to read into, you know, I mean, that that's not something I think a nine-year-old would figure out. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't like looking farther into it. I just, you know, you're a kid, you know, you, your parents ask you questions all the time. You're, you're learning things every day. I just thought, okay, maybe... It's just something people ask sometimes. I don't know. Who knows? <clears throat> but um, I feel like between that and the times coming home late, I feel like that was maybe why I got that. I don't know that feeling something was off. Like I just couldn't put my finger on it. So then my birthday came and then uh, uh, my father at that point had moved back to Northwest Indiana. So he was, the plan was him, him to come out to pick me up 
me and my sister, go back to Indiana, have my birthday with all my family, grandparents, other aunts, uncles, all that. And then at the end of the weekend, he'd bring us back. So he picked us up, took us. We had the birthday, had a great time. And then the night before he, I remember him calling her. So this is before cell phones and everything. So he was calling and calling and calling. You know, we didn't, I don't think, yeah, there was no answering machines back then either. So um, he kept calling and calling. He, she, she wasn't answering. And I could tell he was, something was bothering him. Like he, I could tell like, that something was wrong. And I'm like, why is he? Why is, he bo- why is he bothered by this big deal? She's not answering. So what? And I didn't think that was a big deal. Then the next morning he woke up, kept calling, kept calling, no answer. He, like, he was calling other people and finally he, he decided, okay, you know what? We're just going to make the drive and see what's going on. And it was like a 90 minute drive. So, you know, that's why he didn't want to m- make it if she wasn't going to be there. So we get there and the house in the garage are not a, they're not attached mm. so we get there and we go up to the door we look and the front door had a, a window so you can see in it kind of like not frosted but you can still see through it and I could see the dining room table I could see her purse and I could see a gallon of milk and bag of groceries and the phone's ringing off the hook. I can hear the phone ringing off the hook. People are trying to call. So, yeah, we're we're trying to figure out what to do. So my dad, he goes, he he lifts me up, and I look into the garage, and I can see her car in there because I had he lifted me up to peek into the window, and I see her car. No, her, nothing. The door is shut. It's dark in there. I I don't see anything. So I go, yeah, her car's in there. So he's like, okay, well, let's go to breakfast. He took us to breakfast. And he, obviously while we were there, he was out on the payphone making phone calls. Well, Guy's ex-wife happened to be a police officer. So she responded to that, to that call. And I think, yeah, we left, we left breakfast. We got back to the house. And I remember just seeing cop cars in the driveway. So yeah, we see the police cars in the driveway. We pull up. Uh, my dad gets out of the car, and Guy's ex-wife gets in the car, and she's, "Hey, you know, how was your birthday? What'd you get for your birthday? And show me what you got, and all this stuff." And meanwhile, I'm like, you know, like, shouldn't he be worried? Like, what's going on here? I look out back. I'm looking at my dad, and he's just talking to the police, and he's shaking his head and. I don't remember how she got out of the car, but my dad finally gets back in the car, doesn't say anything for a few minutes. We start driving and I'm like, so where's mom? And they go, he goes, they can't find her. They don't, we don't know where she's at. And I'm like, okay. But meanwhile, the garage door was open and I could see her car in there still. So I'm like, she's, you know, something's, something's not right here, but you know, I'm, you know, 10 years old, whatever. So I'm like, I'm going to wait for them to, the the adults to explain it to me. But halfway back, uh, he pulled off and told us what happened, that she was dead, but he didn't say anything about how she died. And nobody actually 
they just said she fell asleep in the car. She came home late and fell asleep in the car. So for a couple of years, I think I just chalked it up as that. My family took the approach of really not, you know, we didn't really talk about it. You know, figured maybe the less he talked about it, the less I knew, the better for me, maybe. I don't know. But talking to, you know, friends and people outside of my family, you know, they would say, oh, you know, how's blah, blah, blah. And what about your mom? And I would say, oh, you know, my mom passed away. And in, in talking about that, the subject would come up about how, and then I would think about how it happened. And I remember thinking, how the heck did she park the car, get out, go into the house, put all the groceries down or her, her purse with everything she needs in her purse, lock the door behind her, get in the car, shut the garage door behind her and then start the car. I'm like, that's, that doesn't make sense to me. So for the longest time, I was upset after that. I was like, what, you know, I was upset with my family a little bit, you know, why didn't you guys tell me, you know, but half of them didn't really want to believe that that's what happened. I think they thought maybe it was an accident and they thought, well, why, why push this on him if we think this? So I was never really given any other options of what had, could have happened with that. So I just went with what they told me. <clears throat> and uh, so after that, I noticed how, you know, in relationships after that, uh, definitely the loss factor weighed in. I, if anybody I dated or, you know, cared for her, was telling me, Hey, I'll be home at 10 o'clock and 10, 15, 10, 20 comes around. They're not there. I would start to panic and start to worry. And, uh, you know, unfortunately a lot of past relationships took that as being, you know, maybe controlling or something like that, but it was more of out of a fear <laughs> of, you know, you know, maybe something's wrong. And I, it, it, it's been crippling that fear. Now, I mean, it's it's gotten better to this point at my life now where I don't think like that anymore, but I do still have a little bit of a worry. I just usually, you know, it's nice when my wife texts, you know, hey, I just got here. Hey, I'm on my way. And I, it, it's just, it relaxes me so much more after that. So, but uh, my father, I remember when I looked out that back window and I remember seeing him putting his hand on his head, shaking his head, I remember him, it wasn't, it wasn't so much sad, but he, it was more like, like a guilt. And come to find out my father, this is probably, uh, I was in my early, no, it was in my mid to late twenties he was showing signs of kind of being depressed or whatever. And then he tried to take his own life by taking a bunch of pills. And uh, they seemed like more like cries for help than actual suicide attempts. But when we finally 
got a bunch of people together and kind of had a little intervention with them. Come to find out he had been holding this guilt this whole time. I, my mother, I guess, had been feeling like she couldn't sleep and she needed, uh, you know, help sleeping with sleeping pills. So I don't know what he gave her, but apparently in the autopsy, they found the whole bottle in her stomach, but they said they hadn't even digested yet. So that's what didn't kill her. It, it was the car. So I told him that and I'm like, you know that. So, I mean, you know, he, he felt like he, it was his fault this, this whole time. And, you know, it was, he's a stubborn guy. It was hard to talk him out of that. I'm like, dad, I go, you know, you, you did what you thought you were, you were helping. I mean, you didn't know, you didn't, you didn't know what she was planning on doing with that. I mean, she had just lost her fiance. You know, you didn't know what she was going through. She, she needed those. So needless to say, I think it was, he was already on that road. It was kind of too late where he, he was becoming addicted to pain pills to kind of numb himself. Like he didn't want to, it seemed like he just didn't want to feel anything anymore. Like he just kind of, um, I don't know. It just got to the point where he just passed away in his sleep one day, just from, you know, he was mixing he, his, his philosophy on taking pills was if you were prescribed one a day, three a day would make you feel even better. So he, 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 he was, he had always abused that even when he was younger, even he, he abused aspirin when I was a child, for Christ's sakes. But, uh, yeah, but that's, that's not unusual. My, my father was a pretty heavy duty alcoholic and he had, um, uh, vascular issues and his doctor who didn't know, cause he didn't share with her that he was an alcoholic told him that he should drink a glass of red wine every day because that would help with his vascular system. And so that meant to him to drink, you know, two, three, four bottles of wine each day because mm. a little bit's good, but then a lot's better. So, right. I, yeah. Yep. They self-medicate. They think it's, you know. They think they know, they think they know better, but, um, but one of the kind of the, I don't want to say a cool thing that came out of it, but one of the things that came out of this was an interesting story where it was about nine or 10 months after my son was born. And at that point I was working graveyard. My wife was working mornings. So it kind of worked out to where when I got home an hour later, she was leaving. So I had the whole day with my son and, you know, we'd hang out and play or we'd do whatever. And I remember this one day he was in his walker and I was sitting on the couch and he was starting to walk around to the backside of the couch. And as I looked over at him, I'm like, Hey, where are you going? I forgot there was a picture right on my uh, end table of my mother. And, I, and it, that was, and it was the strangest thing because it was the first time in like the time he'd been born that I thought, oh my God, you're never going to meet your grandmother. And I remember in my head, I said that to myself. I said, wow, I wish you were here so you could meet uh, your grandson. And, you know, I, there's no reason for me to, repeat that to anybody. So it was just something I said in my head, you know, like my wife came home. I didn't say, Oh, Hey, by the way, I had this thought today and I just dropped it. And I had a trip coming up to Chicago so soon. And I remember 
about three days later after I, that incident, or I'd said that, my wife came to me and she goes, oh, hey, I had a, I forgot to tell you, I had a dream about your mom the other night. And I go, what? I go, you never met her. And she goes, I know. She goes, but, and that, at that point, our son had slept in our bed with us sometimes. So he would happen to be in our bed that night. And she said, she remembers feeling like she was floating off the bed and she panicked and reached over and grabbed our son and put him on her chest, you know, cause she was like, what's going on? And she looks at the, at the foot of the bed and she can see my mom standing there. She said, you need to remind my son something I told him when he was a child. So after that, a few days go by, I'm racking my brain. I'm thinking, what could this be? Should I not get on this plane? Is this a sign? Is the plane going to crash? I mean, you know, everything was going through my head. I'm like, it was, it was driving me nuts. And then it finally popped into my head. It was the talk she'd had with me in the car. And she was telling me that she would be there. Yeah, so she she basically answered my question or what my statement. I, you know, I wish you were here to see your grandson. So she wanted you to know she was. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing story. Have you had um or your son or your wife, whatever, have had any other visits with her that you know of? Um, no, but I know one night, and this was probably 10 years ago, my son said he'd smelled pipe tobacco in his bedroom. And uh, my grandfather on my father's side smoked a pipe. But other than that, uh, I think think yeah that was that, that that was the only one because uh yeah none of my other family uh, I think my dad he had a dream about her once too but it wasn't anything like that it was more of a I think more of like a memory of her but the thing that about that dream I, I remember after I figured it out and I remember thinking okay why the heck did she not come to me why did she go to my wife? Like, why, why not me? And then I thought about it for a while and I thought, well, you know, if she would have came to me, I would have just chalked it up as a dream. Yeah. And it wouldn't have meant anything, but coming from someone that didn't know either of those things and that having an outside person connect those two things for me, that's when it became like, okay, she really answered me on that one. It wasn't like a, you know, just a, a hope or a thought. It really was a message. Yeah, that was exactly what my comment was going to be for her to, to tell the message through someone who didn't know her, yeah. um, who wouldn't have known that she'd told you that when you were a child. Um, yeah, I mean, because yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really tell that story about what she had asked until one day when my, one of my aunts was pretty convinced my, it, it was an accident. And, I, you know, I was trying to tell her all these details and I'm like, you know, you know, all these things. And she's like, well, I, I said, with all these 
things I, I told her she didn't know about, like she didn't know I saw the groceries on the table. She didn't know, like, she didn't know any about any, about any of those details. So it was kind of like they kept stuff from me, but if they would have brought it up, we could have probably, you know, figured this out at an earlier time. But um, that's the other part about it too, is I think people tend to try to not talk about it because it's, you know, I, I, I get it, it's too painful, but I feel like if you let it go too long, it can become like a something inside that grows and you, and it, it, you know, if you don't talk about it, it could be, uh, you know, something painful for you. Like I, I've talked about this to many people because I feel like the more I talk about it, the better I feel about it. And, you know, I realized she didn't do this to, uh, cause she was, didn't want us or, you know, or, didn't want to be a mother anymore or anything like that. I never felt that. I always felt like she, I, I felt her, her stress of being like alone and having nobody to turn to. I, I could, I could sense it. Like I could tell, but it wasn't anything she did outright. It was just an everyday thing she did. And, you know, I just, I realized she had nowhere to go. Like there was nowhere for her to turn. And I think she thought we would be in better hands with either my father or my grandmother. And I think that's why she wanted to know, you know, who do you, who do you want to go with if, if that happens? Cause she was trying to, you know, make a better life for us. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, not a bet, in my opinion, a better life isn't always, you know, a nice roof over your head and all those things are just having the people that mean the most to you. I mean, it would have meant, it would have meant more to have her and not have those things, you know? Yeah. I, I know um, from my own experience, having experienced pretty deep depression in my life, that when you get to the point of thinking that, that you need to just end it, um, you think that people around you will be better off. And it's like, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like if I'm in so much pain, I'm really causing pain with people. So I'm doing them a favor by taking this pain away so um i know for kids when you know it's really hard because you're thinking well why didn't they want to you know stick around um for me but i i know it's no 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 solace to say that they don't think of it the same way when when the person in that depressive state just doesn't your mind is not working at all and it's it's very difficult to um describe to someone yeah has, like you're uh, like you're in a hole and you can't dig yourself out i mean you, and you can't, you, you can't you feel... see your way yeah you can't see your way out you're, you're stuck yeah. in space of there's nothing i can do and it's it's all bad and it's yeah anyway it's a it's a horrible space that um yeah i don't ever want to be there again and i wouldn't wish anybody to be there because it's just it's just brutal yeah so, and, and and it's part part you know losing a, a parent in that way as a kid too i feel like you know, you look, you always look at your parents as not, maybe not superheroes, but you know, your, your dad's the toughest guy in the world. Your mom's the, yeah. the, the best mom in the world, blah, blah, blah. And to see that something can get to them to cause them to do something like that, it kind of wakes you up a little bit. You're like, okay, you know, I, I kind of got to, it kind of made me grow up a little bit faster than I, than I think I should have, even though I, even though a lot of my family, I, you know, I felt like they, they coddled me too much afterwards, like out of guilt, you know, they felt bad for me. And I, 
you know, I, my grandmother would, you know, cook me all my meals. She did all my laundry for me. I never had to do laundry and stuff like that. And <laughs> those ended up being bad things for me from when I moved out on my, on my own. It was a rude awakening that I had all those things to do on my own. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy because yeah, they, I didn't, I didn't realize it, but there was some animosity too. with a lot of my family, like a lot of my cousins, like were upset with me because I got such special attention from other mm. family members. But, you know, I didn't realize I was getting it from that. I just thought, you know, they were just, they just loved me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they were probably, and that was, were these grandparents, your mother's parents or your father's parents? Uh, these were my father's because, well, well, my grand, my mother's were that way too in the beginning, but uh, unfortunately, a few years after my mother passed, they passed too. So uh, they weren't they weren't around too much longer. So I didn't really get to know them that much more. But um, well, my other, I guess, would be with those grandparents that they were trying to fill in this void. I mean, it's... yes. Oh yeah, I see it a lot of time with people that you know, with kids, they you know, they instead of disciplining our kid, they say, "Here, here's a candy bar if you behave." You know, and I feel like that's that was the equivalent what they did with me. Like, you know, hey, you know, you know, you don't have, you don't have to do your chores around the house. You know, don't worry about it. Well, we got it. You know, type thing. But so, a question I have for you would be: if you had um, having having had all that happen to you as a kid, if you were talking to a an adult with kids, maybe that same age, and this kind of thing happened, what would you? advise them to do differently than how your family kind of dealt with this with you uh it it would depend I, I think like I said with my family I think half of them weren't weren't willing to believe it was a suicide I think they were torn so that was the reason why I think they didn't really talk about it because if one family member was telling me my mother died by an accident and the other one told me it was suicide and then we'd have a conflicting story. So I think they just chose the road of let's just not talk about it yeah. until he's older, maybe. So I, I would, I would say if, if, if it's a clear case that, you know, someone is lost from, from suicide, I, I would say definitely talk about it because it, 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 it can especially with the kid, because I feel like when you get older, you feel like you were left out. Like you, you should have been able to be in on some of the decisions that were made or whatever. I, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like that I was left out of that whole situation. Like I, I would have loved to have known more details. I get it. I was only 10, but, um, and there was no way for them to know that I could maybe handle that at that time. But I, I think I handled it pretty well. I, I uh, my whole life, my family has been t telling me that they, they just can't believe that it hasn't affected me in, in a negative way, but it has, but nothing to the point where it's like, you know, socially obvious Yeah, <laughs> no, internal, internal things, you know, I, I can, I can relate to that. I, your your comment about you know being anxious when someone didn't come home or wasn't where they were for so long that actually happened to me as well um, when I was living in New York and my fiance at the time was in a car accident and 
um, lived for five days before he died. And that mm -hmm. night, he was always home by a certain time. And that night he didn't come home and I remember pouring myself a glass of wine. And as the time went by, I was more and more and more anxious. And I guess this is, you know, obviously before cell phones, it was the mid eighties. And then his father called me and said, you know, he was in the hospital. So from that point on, Brian, I think it, I don't want to say it was at least 20 years before I finally could get to the point where if someone didn't call me or tell me where they were, I didn't go into a panic attack. And right. I, I know, I know without a doubt, it was because of that, that incident. And um, I can remember telling my first husband that you have to let me know where you are. I have to know. I can't, you can't, it's not like I'm stalking you or, or being possessive. I, I, I must know, or I'm going to fear that you're in the ditch. <laughs> yep. just, yeah. And morbid as that sound, it's just who I am. So, and, and exactly that's, and, and that's how I am with my wife. Now I just say, Hey, like if I'm at work and she's going out, I just say, all I ask is if you just text me when you leave, text me when you get wherever you're at, text me when you leave and then text me when you get home. That way, if something does happen, at least I have a time frame of, yeah. I can say, okay, between this time and this time, something must've happened. So, yeah. I mean, I even do that to this day when my husband went to a, a funeral service yesterday and it was about a four hour drive each way. And I told him, you know, it, get, let me know when you get there. And then if you decide to stay overnight in town, let me know. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I just, you know, I just need to know, just tell me. I mean, it's not, it's not me keeping tabs. It's me needing to know that you're okay. So I, I think that's definitely an, an impact that, that um, I can not only understand, I, I don't think it ever really goes away because it's especially, no, it especially when you're a kid, it's just, you know, it's ingrained in, in your brain, your growing brain and so on. Mm -hmm. as you, Wow, yours is a a, a a a sad story, but I mean, I, I know you're a great guy. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm so sorry that happened to you when you were so young. It breaks my heart. Yeah, I, I mean, I and, and I I, I, I kind of think maybe it might have been a good thing they didn't tell me in the beginning because at first, you know, I it was a lot to deal with just the fact that she was gone. Yeah and not have to deal with the way she was gone, I think maybe. Um, yeah. Maybe it was good that they didn't tell me that right away, but um, but I, like I said, I think I think once you get to a certain age, they should they should know anyway. I think yeah. they, should, they probably would have told me anyway, my family, I think. But um, like even on, on my mom, my mother's gravestone, it doesn't say the exact day she died. They, they didn't put that on there on purpose just so. I wouldn't see that, you know, maybe hoping that it would never come out, you know? Yeah. That's extremely considerate of them, actually. That's what. <laughs> yeah, it was. You think it was. about it, you know, if you were in that situation as a parent, you know, you, you would, what would you, you would know what to do. So you want to do just what you, you know, I'm, I'm just going to try to take care of the things that I can take care of. And I can, I can, I can do this or I can make this decision. And cause I can't, you know, bring this person back or make it better. But um, that was, yeah, that, that was, somebody having some foresight there so that's mm -hmm. great so is there anything else you'd like our our listeners to know or to hear or advice anything uh, you like? um maybe the only other advice i would say is with my mother's i was obviously was too young to uh pick up on the clues in time but with my father it was pretty obvious but we you know, it was kind of one of them things where you thought, okay, he's just, he's always been this way. He's just always being that way. He's always being that way. And it's just, you know, you didn't, you never think 
it's going to happen one day. So yeah. my advice would be is if you see something like that happening, don't wait around till uh, it's too late. I mean, if you see somebody that's abusing prescription drugs or any type of drugs or whatever, like don't wait and think, okay, let me do this the phase they're going through. Just do something about it early. That way you can prevent it possibly. Or at least ask the questions, right? Rather than just, or that. Uh, you know, to pretend like it's no big deal, ask the questions. Hey, are you okay? Right. right. Yeah. Do you really need these? Do you, you know, yeah. why, why are you, what, what's, what's going on? You know, at least acknowledge it, you know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times people don't realize people are onto them and they don't know. So if you, maybe if you bring it up to them, they go, okay, it's obvious that they know. So maybe I better clean it up. <laughs> Or seek some help if I need help. Or, right? or that, yeah, definitely. Just, I'm not suffering in silence over here is, is the kind of the point, I think, for that one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, Brian, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. I um, really, really appreciate it. Um, I, wish you all, I wish you all the best, and I'm sure I will see you soon. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, the Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival, available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.